0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Tears come from the heart and not from the brain. Leonardo da Vinci.
2: Yeah, so the last day of the trail was incredible, dude. Honestly, I don't think I'm ever going to have another another like day like that my entire life like first through hike finished one I had been obsessed with for many many years one that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to accomplish but wanted to try for many many years and so it was kind of funny like climbing up Katahdin that last day I felt like I should be like overcome with the sense of accomplishment and the sense of joy and I didn't really feel it climbing up and I was starting to like get kind of like psyched out about it like I was just super in my head like why am I not feeling more, like, and then the closer I would get to the top of the mountain, I would be, like, the more, like, upset with myself and confused, and then as soon as I saw the sign, like, straight up, it all just came out. Like, I started crying. It all just came out at once.
1: I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, to help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, a thru-hiker with one of my very favorite Instagram handles, Kyle O'Grady. Welcome to the John Freaking Your Pod, Kyle.
2: How's it going? It's going amazing. I am so thankful to be here. Thank you uh, for the invite. I, I've i seen you've had some cool guests on, so it's it's an honor to be among that. That group, although I think people are going to find that I'm much less entertaining and much less successful as them.
1: Well, that remains to be seen. I'll let you know at the end of the episode <laughs> if, if you lived up to expectations or if you fell far short.
2: It'll be fun. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: And I also neglected to mention in the intro that you are a fellow podcaster. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your, your podcast.
2: Yeah, my podcast is called Trail Tales. I'm sure there's some folks that have listened to it before and probably hate it. I'm sure there's some folks that have never heard of it before. Um, I mean, it's, I hate to say it, but it's, it's just a, it's another hiking podcast. You know, I interview other through hikers and not just through hikers. Actually, I talk to a lot of, um, God, how do I say this without sounding like a, a, a jerk? Um, you know, just regular backpackers for the lack of a better word. Um, just people doing cool stuff on the trail. And so it's, it's, it's pretty similar. I'm sure there might just be a little bit more profanity, but <laughs> we already talked about that before we started recording. So,
1: <laughs> you know, we, we, on the John Mirror Pot, we cover a lot of outdoor adventure. I, I firmly believe that the outdoor adventure tree has many branches and we could spend a whole lot of time talking about the, the through hiking branch, but there's all kinds of other types of experiences out there, other, all, lots of different types of adventures. So.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of funny, like, um, especially on YouTube, I always, like, refer to myself as, like, a thru-hiker, which I am. I mean, I think we're going to get into that, some of the stuff I've done. But, like, I also have done a ton of just, like, weekends backpacking, too. So, like, I'm just as much of a weekend warrior as I am a thru-hiker. So, yeah, I, I, just, I just use the thru-hiker, you know, badge of honor, of course, because I think I earned it. <laughs> Now Kyle is,
1: I think it'd be safe to say that there are probably more weekend warriors than there are through hikers, right? Oh I yeah. Mean, people's oh, not schedules close. and their family commitments don't allow them to take, you know, three, four, five, six months off to, to go out and hike. So I, you know, you, you, wear it as a, a you kind of downplayed it a little bit, but I think a lot of people out there, I mean, this is who we're talking to.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Like I've, I've really noticed that, um, on my channel too. Like, um, You know, the through hiking stuff does well, but like a lot of the stuff that, you know, does even better on YouTube is, is just more appealing to people is stuff that is more general. Um, because yeah, like seriously, like there, there are way more weekend warriors out there than through hikers. And I, I was a weekend warrior for years before I ever through hiked anything or at least anything long. Um, and since my first big through hike, I went back to being a weekend warrior for many years. Um, And so, you know, I try to, I try to do both and I don't know, it's, it's fun.
1: Okay. Now, regular viewers of the podcast might notice that I'm wearing a different shirt. This is not my normal shirt. Ooh! So so Kyle, I want you to look very closely at your monitor and we can, we can focus in for our listeners out there who don't have, uh, aren't watching this on YouTube. What what does that say on my shirt there?
2: That says Sawyer. I freaking love that company
1: too. Yes. They are a sponsor of the John freaking mirror pod very happy to have that relationship that partnership with them and i just got a package this morning from them uh with this shirt in it which they they sent to me because of our partnership so i want to make sure that i'm wearing that and representing here on the podcast so you're a great company with some great products stunned silence from Kyle
2: what's that was that supposed that
1: wasn't really a question i just i just i ended it there see if you had any feedback on that so there you oh. go
2: Sorry, bro. (laughs) It's been a long day. No, I love the intro.
1: That's all right. On the intro, I mentioned that you have one of my my favorite Instagram handles. Tell us about that Instagram handle. yeah. So Instagram,
2: it's Kyle hates hiking. Go smash the follow button, dude. Um, and it's also the name of my YouTube channel too. I I kind of stole it from. See, every time I tell the story, I kind of stole it, but I also kind of did it on my own because I put my own little twist on it. So back when I was in college, there was a a kid. I don't even know him. I honestly have no idea what his name is. I'd never met him before, but he was just like mutual friends. He was like an outing club kid or whatever. And so I saw his, his uh, Instagram pop up on my feed every now and then. And his Instagram was like, insert his name hates the outdoors. And so one day, a few you know, after I had actually graduated. So a little while later, I was trying to come up with a new Instagram handle for myself. And I just thought of that and I kind of changed it a little bit. I changed it to Kyle hates hiking. And then, so when I went to start the YouTube channel, that just seemed like the natural, it was actually my YouTube handle first before my, uh, or sorry, my Instagram handle before my YouTube handle, And um, that just seemed like the natural fit, but it's sarcasm. I like hiking quite a bit. Um, I just thought it fit with like my style of content or at least my style of content. When I first started Um, it's still to this day too, like, very goofy not taking it like super seriously so that's that's the uh that's the handle and it's it's a lie everything about me is a lie i actually really love hiking i've done it quite a bit for thousands of miles everything you
1: think you know about Kyle put that aside we're going to find out the real truth tonight so we're going to do it we're going to yeah, do it Kyle hates hiking and you 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 kind of picked up that concept from a guy who was something hates the outdoors i think there's enough difference in the language there. I think if, if this were in court on like a trademark <laughs> issue, I think there has to be at least 10% difference. I think you meet that threshold.
2: I hope so. Yeah. I never even thought about that. Um, I dude, I kind of wish I knew like who that kid was now. I could probably find him. I'm sure I've got like a mutual friend or something, but yeah, it'd be funny if he ever like saw my, my content too. And he was like, wait a minute. I know this kid went to Clarkson and we were there at the same time. So something, something funny's going on here, but. I don't know. I've been very open about it that I kind of stole it from him, so it is right. It is what it is. Well, be on the lookout for a process server. <laughs> oh, case. man. <laughs> hey, Kyle, have
1: you had a chance to listen to the uh, the John Freaking Pod before?
2: Um, I listened to a few uh, bits and pieces on YouTube, um, but I don't think I listened to a full episode yet. I will be listening, though, because I heard you're having this really cool guy on that um, has this really sarcastic Instagram handle, so... I'm definitely going to be checking that episode out, but um, I haven't listened to full any other full ones, just some clips. Got it. Yeah, that's
1: going to be a don't-miss episode. Make sure you tune in on it's that. It's going
2: to be great. It's going to yes. be great.
1: I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment we do towards the end of each episode called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. That's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience better. So don't, don't be surprised when we get there. Okay, that sounds great. Now you, you are expected to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode, but <laughs> you'll still be on the hook for that one.
2: Dude, I think you had the wrong guy on. I don't know. No, that's not true. No wisdom. Let's, let's drop it. I'll do my best. No promises, but okay. I, I will promise that I'll do my best. Yeah. Well,
1: wisdom, wisdom comes from experience and experience comes from mistakes. So, I mean, are you telling me you've never made a mistake out there?
2: Dude, I've made so many mistakes that there we couldn't even, we'd have to do so many episodes to cover them. Um, especially at the beginning, like everybody, yourself included, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's some guy out there that's like, no, oh, like I nailed it like my first time ever backpacking, but that was not me. That was definitely not me.
1: Yeah, I've interviewed two hundred and thirty plus people. I I still have not met that person that said I, I got it right on the first try.
2: Well, if you do, you'll have to let me know because honestly, I want to hear his his or her story because <laughs> they're either totally full of it or they're just they're just on another level. So Yeah, you got to let me know when you find them. Will do.
1: The Must Bring Gear Review. Oh, hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by (laughs) the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. Kyle, if you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day or multi-month hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Kyle, what what is your must bring piece of gear out there?
2: Oh man, uh, it's so hard. I've been using a lot of like the same gear for so long. I feel like it's all, but, but I feel like I gotta I gotta pick something right. So must bring. Um, I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna say a, a stove, and in particular, I'm not gonna choose some fancy expensive, uh, backpacking like brand. I'm going to go with a stove because there's a lot of people out there that don't take stoves and it blows my mind how they can go backpacking and not have hot food or hot coffee. I don't get it. I don't, I just don't get it. But in in, in the stove in particular, I'm going to go with is it's B I think it's BRS or is it BSR. It's just like some Amazon brand. I always get the, the uh, letters mixed up there, but it's one of those two uh, BRS. Maybe it's just like a $15 Amazon little ultralight stove and dude I can't go without it. I've gone through a few of them at this point cuz I end up stepping on them eventually but and bending them but um I can't I can't go without it. I got to have my hot food. Nice. Kyle,
1: I think you and I are going to get along just fine. I think I see a lot of commonalities here. <laughs> You're a podcaster, I'm a podcaster. You've made a lot of mistakes, I've made a lot of mistakes. You 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 are not a cold soaker. I am vehemently opposed no. to cold soaking. Fact, it should I've be spent, illegal, honestly. I spent a lot of time on this podcasting, just r- ranting about how people can cold soak. <laughs> That's just, I I, I gave it a, a good. I gave it the college try. I tried.
2: Oh, you actually tried it, huh? I tried I, it. I, I haven't said, even tried it.
1: You know, I had I had somebody on who was a it was uh, back backcountry food recipes for cold soaking. And she swore, you know, this is the way to go. You All you do is have the right recipes. You can do this. It's great tasting. It's fantastic. I gave it a legitimate <laughs> shot and I was miserable after three days. So,
2: Yeah, mm. I would have to see the recipes. I would maybe consider it. I wouldn't commit to it for a full three days. I would commit to it for like a night maybe and like give it a try. If I could see the recipes and they looked okay. But dude, like the the people that just go out there and just like cold soak like like ramen or you know like rice sides there's no way. There's no way. I, I couldn't do it. And like last year um on the PCT, I feel like it's especially common out west maybe or yeah, I don't know. But um yeah, there's there's no way. It you got to have the stove. Got to have the stove. And
1: it might work better if you were alone, right? If you're the only person in your group, Know there's no group, there's just you, and you're out there and you're cold soaking, you get to camp, you eat your food, it is what it is. But when you are in camp with other people and they've got (laughs) hot food going, I mean, the hot
2: food envy is real. Yeah, it must be. I wouldn't know if it's real because I just (laughs) never done it before. And I like I said, I it would take a lot. It would take a lot. Although I did I did promise in a video um like a month or two ago. That when my channel hit 100,000 subscribers, I would use the. Have you ever heard of the crotch pot before?
1: I have not heard of the crotch pot. So it's, it's like a,
2: me. It's a. It's total like it's total goofs. Um, I I never heard of it either until I made this video, but it's basically it's from Gossamer Gear. I'm pretty sure it's like kind of a joke, honestly, but it is on their website and you can buy it. Um, it's basically just like a. I think it's just a like a little DCF pouch that's designed to clip onto your shorts and you're supposed to use it to reheat your food by like stopping like an hour or two before you eat dinner and like putting your water and your food in the, in the crotch pot and then tucking it into your crotch and then finishing your hike for the day. And like your body heat is supposed to like heat up the food. And so it's totally ridiculous, obviously. And um, I made a video about it and I told my, my audience that when I hit 100,000 subscribers that I would use it in a video, just like, you know, as, as some motivation. And I just passed that goal a few days ago. And so I think I'm actually going to, although it's not quite the same as cold soaking because allegedly it does heat up your food a little bit, but it, to me, it basically just feels like cold soaking, but even worse because you're getting your like crotch sweat mixed in too. So I'm going to have to try it at some point. We'll see. I don't know. It's not going to be fun, but hopefully it'll make for an entertaining video. My audience can watch me suffer a little bit.
1: Well, Kyle, congratulations on the 100,000 su- subscribers. That's that's huge.
2: I appreciate that very much. Yeah, I also have to take a camp chair and, and hike with a camp chair too. There's like a running joke on my channel where I like make fun of camp chairs. And, and for the record, I don't actually hate camp chairs, but they're just fun to, it's just fun to make fun of people who hike with camp chairs sometimes. So I'm going to have to do a video where I hike with a camp chair. I'm not going to actually sit in it. I'm only going to carry it just to make it even worse for myself. Um, and I'm going to have to eat... With the crotch pot, so it's gonna be probably one of the worst hikes that I've ever done. So uh, that'll be coming sometime soon. Unfortunately, excuse me for just a second while I write in my notes here. Not to mention my camp chair to Kyle during this episode. <laughs> yeah, make sure you jot that down. No, I don't actually. I don't actually hate hate. Well, I don't really see myself using a camp chair, but this it's nothing personal. It's it's all it's all for fun. It's all for fun. It, it's a good piece
1: uh for, for mocking. I get it <laughs> now. Um, let's, let's be real about the crotch pot because you're, you said you're warming it by, by body heat. You're, you're not just warming it by body heat. You're, you're warming it with your, your, your nether regions.
2: Yeah. Right? And I like,
1: I like the point about the crotch sweat. I mean, a little, little extra benefit right there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I guess, man, I wonder how many of those they've actually sold. Like it can't be, it can't be that many. Cause like, like I said, I'm pretty sure it's like kind of a joke, but it is a, It is on their website. Like it is a real thing. So, we'll see. I forget how much it is. I think it's like twenty bucks or something ballpark. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm gonna have to get one. It's gonna be great. Maybe. Uh, maybe I'll have to come back on and I can give you an update on the on uh, how. I will. How sub- that goes. I will
1: subscribe. I'll subscribe and I'll, I'll watch that video for sure.
2: <laughs> if you don't watch any of the other ones, which you shouldn't, they're all terrible. That should be the one you watch.
1: I'm intrigued now. I've got. I've got to. I've got to see this content. <laughs> Now, Kyle, you, you've hiked the AT and the PCT. Uh, what was your base weight on those trails?
2: Um, okay, so I hiked most of the PCT. I did like eighty percent of it, just to be clear. Because I know there's gonna be that one guy that's like, well, technically he didn't so just to be clear, I did about twenty two hundred miles of the PCT. Um, my base weight, so on the AT, um man, that was back in twenty eighteen. So I don't remember exactly, but it was probably around twelve or thirteen pounds. Um and on the PCT, it was a little bit lighter. The PCT, it was around 10 pounds. But another thing too, for the guy that's gonna comment, um, I on the PCT I carried my camera. And so I I usually don't include that in the base weight because it's not something that most people would normally carry, or if they're gonna carry a camera, they probably carry a smaller one. I had like, you know, a full frame camera with a big lens and a microphone and extra batteries and other stuff. So If you include that, it was probably closer to 13 pounds, but with the normal backpacking gear, it was just around 10 pounds on the PCT.
1: Kyle, I like how you, you've referred now a couple of times to the hypothetical guy who's going to call (laughs) and email in with comments. Yeah. I I also have made similar comments on the podcast about, you know, listeners coming, coming in and and fact-checking me in real time. So (laughs) that must be a common occurrence.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely is, but I don't know. It's also just to be clear, too. Like I, you know, it, when it goes, when it goes back to like the PCT thing, um, especially when it comes to like the miles. Like I plan on going back and actually finishing uh, the rest of what I missed last year, and so I don't know. It just it just I haven't finished the whole trail yet, so you know, I just would feel wrong saying that I have. the the, the part where it gets a little dicey is when you talk about like, did I earn the right to say I threw hiked the PCT because. I felt like a thru-hiker when I was out there. Um, You know, my intention was to thru-hike. When people asked me what I was doing, I would tell them, oh, I'm thru-hiking the PCT. But I didn't actually hike the entire trail. So it's like, what is a thru-hike? I don't know. But either way, I'm going to get the entire trail, hopefully going back um, sometime this summer and finishing up the roughly 400 miles I have left.
1: Well, you know. I would say this about the definition of a through hike A through hike is, is going from, from one terminus to the other terminus, right? But you are a through hiker. If you through hike the long trail in Vermont from, from terminus to terminus, and that's a hell of a lot shorter than 80% of the PCT. So, I mean, you, you have the through hiker label. And if anybody wants to quibble with you on, you know, whether or not you truly did the PCT, well, you know, don't don't pay attention to those people.
2: No, no, it's, it's, there's not too many people saying that either, but like I said, it's mostly for myself because when I do actually go and get the whole PC, then I can say, you know, again, I don't know if I'd say I through-hiked it, but either way, I, I hiked it, you know, certainly. I, I, I hiked it all, and, and I'm hopefully going to go back and um, maybe I shouldn't say exactly when, but sometime this summer, I'll say, and uh, and finish it up. If all goes to plan, It's I don't have, like, all the details finalized yet, so I'm not, like, Fully committed, but that's a that's the goal because it's honestly been eating away at me a little bit, having come so far and, and gotten so close, and then not been able to finish the whole thing, which is a whole a whole uh, story we can get into. But the the short version is fires mostly. Yeah. Um, had to skip some sections because of fires, and and it just became quite a hassle at the end. But yeah, I'll 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 finish it up. If not this year, then some point in the near future because yeah it's it's eaten at me a little bit for sure yeah well let's
1: put a pin in that we'll, we'll talk about your pct hike and what happened uh, a little bit later in the show but you you did the at in 2018 and the pct in 2022 sticking with the gear the gear angle here um what changed in your gear between 2018 and 2022 or was it exactly the same
2: yeah it was actually like fairly similar um the, the literal gear items themselves were different, but um, the models of a number of things did stay the same. I think the only piece of gear that was exactly the same like literal piece of gear that I brought on both was my uh, pot, which is an MSR Titan kettle. Um, but my backpack, I used a ULA CDT for both hikes. Um, obviously, the one on the AT back in 2018 was an older version, and then I got a new one before the PCT um but same backpack and then quilt i used a hammock gear econ 30 and i used the same exact quilt for actually all of the at and part of the pct but i ended up buying a new version of that one at some point on the pct because i never watched it ever and after a lot of miles it was it was time to to get a new one and then um you're supposed to wash stuff Yeah, it turns out, especially Uh stuff you sleep in, you know, you like to be comfortable and clean. Yeah, you're supposed to wash that 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 stuff.
1: That could be a pro tip right there.
2: (laughs) That could be a pro tip. Okay, yeah, Yeah, wash your stuff. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I think the biggest difference was between the two trails gear wise was my sleeping system. So on the AT, I used a hammock. And on the PCT, I used a tent. And we can get into the specifics there if you want. I'm trying to think if there was any other like, Major differences: um, water capacity, clothing. I had a sun hoodie on the PCT. I just used a t-shirt on the AT, like a polyester t-shirt. Um, and then shoes on the on the AT, I used the uh, La Sportiva Wildcats, and then on the PCT, I used the Ultra Olympus Fours. I think was the version at the time. And so that's just a few a few of the differences to uh, kind of rattle some stuff off there. Okay. Well, I love talking about gear. And to help us talk about the gear, we've got it's the hiking pole.
1: The hiking pole and pole, I will point out, is spelled P O L L, like a survey, not like the thing you carry in your hand. And I like to explain that every time just because I think <laughs> I'm very clever because I've, I've come up with that. And my guests always just kind of look at me like, yeah, so what?
2: I'm glad just you like- clarified. I was a little, I was a little. I don't know if I was confused, but when when I heard hiking pole, I, my brain did go to like a trekking pole for a second. So,
1: this is a seven question survey, Kyle. That's going to help me give you a score on the sanity scale from one okay. to one hundred, with one being completely insane and one hundred being completely sane. Now, because you have through hiked one of the long American trails, there's an automatic twenty five point deduction. So your your top <laughs> score that you can get is seventy five, which I think is reasonable.
2: I'll take it, dude. If I got a 75 on a test in college, I would be not thrilled, but not totally bummed. So I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Well, that that's as high
1: as you can get. I mean, often it's much lower than that because I'm talking to through hikers here.
2: That is true. They're a bit crazy. true. Yeah. We've good. been known to be a little bit crazy sometimes, but mm-hmm. let's, let's see how I do. I'm excited. Okay. Well,
1: let's see how you do. We'll start off. Uh, you know, you've answered some of these, but I'm going to ask you, what what is your preference? Not what do you use, but what is your preference? Uh, these are, these are seven questions that I want to see which side of the issue you fall on and I'll give you, I'll put it through the algorithm here and we'll, we'll give you a score.
2: Okay. You ready? Yeah.
1: All right. First question. Easy question. Trekking poles or no trekking poles?
2: Oh, trekking poles for sure. I'm assuming we're talking about backpacking. Um, the only time I don't use trekking poles would be like trail running or like maybe day hiking, but backpacking anytime I have some weight on my back. Absolutely. Yes. on trekking poles.
1: Okay. And why is that? I like to hear a little explanation too.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think on the uphills that give me good leverage, um, like it helps like propel me, like put some upper body strength into it. And so it saves your legs a little bit on the downhills. I think the most obvious thing when it comes to trekking poles is just like, you know, less pressure on your knees. And then water crossings are great too, because it helps you like stay more stable. So there's so many benefits. Um, I, I uh, my tent on the PCT, I used a trekking pole tent, so save some weight. A little multi-purpose item. Use the poles to set up the tent. So, I think that's that's pretty much every reason. I, I think I, think I can't all think of the points. More. You yeah. hit all the
1: points right there. That's that's like <laughs> you get extra points for that. For yes, that yes, that I should
2: get. That's like if you took a test and you just like had such a good answer. You gave so much detail that the teacher was like, "You get you get the bonus points."
1: Yeah, you get full credit plus some more. That, yes. that was that was good. You hit every single reason why, and I like the way you put the the leverage part going up up a I've explained it as it's almost like having handrails when you're when you're going up a set of stairs. Yeah, I mean, that's a pulling, good way to put it. You're pulling yourself up. It's, it's that's, a it. yeah. that. that's, a, that's a good
2: way to put it. I might have to steal that. That's that's a good way to put it. Um, and it depends on how you use those straps too. Like, mm-hmm. like some people, I don't know, I don't know how you fall. Do you like actually use the straps, or do you just kind of? I collect use the them? straps. I use okay. the straps. Because a lot of people don't use the straps. They'll use the poles, but they don't use the straps. And I'm like, in order to get the full leverage, you got to use the straps. But there's definitely some people that disagree with that because I've, I've been told that that is wrong many times in the comments on YouTube.
1: (laughs) Well, if you do use the handrails uh, concept, make sure you change it at least 10%. So I don't have to to send anybody after you. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. All right. Question number two, what's on your feet? What do you prefer boots or trail runners? Oh, trail
2: runners, 100%. Not even close. Was that
1: one of your early mistakes? Thinking that, okay, I'm hiking. There are these things called hiking boots. I
2: should probably <laughs> wear hiking boots if I'm hiking. It's a very intuitive thing, honestly. Um, let's see. I don't think I ever went full, like, sh- like you know, midway up my calf boot. But I definitely had, like, shoes that were heavier than they needed to be. Like, a lot more, like, you know, rugged, like, ankle um like ankle height shoes probably and i learned that mistake or that lesson rather very quickly very quickly um except for like winter like if it's winter i'll still actually i don't really backpack much during the winter come to think of it but like you know just regular hiking during the winter in that case i'll bring boots if it's like gonna be cold and you know there's snow on the trail but if it's three season it's it's trail runners all the way all day
1: Okay, you said boots that – you don't wear those boots that are midway up your calves. What are those? Are those Uggs? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 those are pretty high boots midway up your calves. I don't
2: know, dude. I've seen – I've seen that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but you'll see like some some, some big-ass boots sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we hiked with a guy a few
1: years ago who – this was his first excursion into the, the through-hiking world, and he was wearing like – it looked like moon boots. look looked like some astronauts would wear – I'm like, how is this going to work boots. And, and it, <laughs> yeah, it, those didn't last very long. So,
2: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then they get wet and they don't dry out for mm-hmm. days on end. That's honestly one of the biggest reasons why I like trail runners better is just, yeah, they get wet a little bit easier, but man, they dry out so much faster. It's, it's very well worth it, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. You know what? This is not an official hiking pole question. This is a corollary. When you cross streams, you take your shoes off or not?
2: You know, that is a good question. It, it kind of depends. Um, if my shoes are already wet, like it's been raining, then I might as well just leave them on. If if it looks like an easy crossing with not too many rocks, I'll take them off. But more often than not, I'm probably just going to leave them on because I baby the crap out of my feet when I'm through hiking. Like I do not want to like step on a rock and cut my foot. I found that even just sometimes just walking around barefoot on rocks, like underwater like that will just make my feet feel like tender, even if I don't like cut anything. And so there have been a few times where I've taken them off, but most of the time I'm going to leave them on. And then I'm going to complain about wet feet for the next like 10 miles, at least something like that. It's usually about how it goes. Yeah. I'm with you on that because, um,
1: I don't. I don't know about other people, but I don't have big, thick calluses on the bottom of my feet. I, I I have I have like sensitive feet. No matter how many miles I've hiked, you know, I I don't prefer walking on on jagged or or rough objects. So if if, if it doesn't look too too difficult, I'll just keep the shoes on.
2: Yeah, it's probably safer too, honestly, um, because. You're just gonna get a better grip. Um, if you like stumble or something, you're you're not gonna have to worry about like you know stomping your other foot down to catch your balance and like you know mm-hmm. stepping on a rock or something, cut your foot again. Um, I think it's probably safer. The you only know, it just sucks having wet shoes after that, but you know, on the AT, it wasn't. I didn't have to fort that many streams on the AT, but every now and then, um, it wasn't that big a deal because half the time it was raining that day anyways, and my feet were already soaked, so. It really kind of depends. And then on the PCT, um, you know, a couple Fords there. And like, if it's dry, you know, if it's, it's the West, so it's probably going to be dry and sunny most of the time. So they dried out fairly quickly. So it's never as bad as it feels when you first step in and that cold water just, you know, rushes into your shoe and your sock. And you're just like, man, this, this feels like illegal. Like, I feel like I should get a a ticket if a ranger sees me doing this, just because it's, it just feels so wrong. But, it's it's the safer thing to do for sure. All right, question number three:
1: Your preferred shelter system—tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or hey,
2: let's just cowboy camp? <laughs> Definitely not the cowboy camping. Um, overall, probably a hammock. I'm I'm probably a hammock guy on the PCT. I couldn't because it's the PCT. But um, if I if I if I'm on a trail that it's like reasonable to have a hammock because some people do hike the PCT with a hammock, but you have to like be very uh, careful about it. Like you have to be, you know, or you just have to be fine with cowboy camping a lot, especially in the uh, the desert part of the trail. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go hammock. I don't know. I'm curious to see how this shakes up score wise. OK, they haven't they haven't invented a trekking pole hammock yet. I'm sure there's something out there but <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. I'll be I'll be uh, the first one to start using it if they invent a trekking pole hammock that is sturdy enough to withstand the kind of winds you're going to get in places where there's not that many trees and is also lightweight too. So you'd have I'm, to have there
1: extreme for extreme balancing skills to be able to swing <laughs> a a trekking pole hammock.
2: And you can't move at all once you fall asleep. You can't be tossing and turning, you can't even be snoring. Any type of movement your your ass is on the ground. Yep. All right. Question number four:
0: Sleeping
1: bag or quilt? And I think quilt. I know the
2: answer to this. Yeah, yeah quilt. Said that. Definitely quilt. And that's all I got to say about that.
1: Okay, quilt all the and, way. And why do you prefer a quilt? Why is a quilt so much better than a sleeping bag?
2: Yeah. Um. The biggest reason is the weight. Um. I mean, there's no back to a quilt. So you're saving weights in regards to that. And my understanding is that especially with down, if you're using a normal sleeping bag and you know you're laying on the back part of the sleeping bag, that down gets compressed and it actually loses a lot of its um insulating properties um, that's my understanding anyways. And so it's kind of it's almost like you know you're kind of you don't really need that extra weight of the back of the sleeping bag or uh, the uh, quilt rather so. I prefer the quilt for sure. It's, sometimes it's nice too because it's a little bit easier to kind of like almost use it as a blanket, kind of like spread it over you and have part of you under the quilt, part of you outside the quilt. It makes that a little bit more comfortable. And I've used my 30 degree quilts down to 30 degrees and even below a few times. And, you know, when it's when it's around that temperature, I'm using other stuff in addition to keep me warm, like a uh, a sleeping bag liner and, you know, just thermals and like, you know, literal clothing that I'm wearing. Um, you know, in addition to the quilts, but I've been able to stay pretty warm in some pretty cold temperatures, even just using a quilt with no mummy, you know, thing going up around a hood, I guess it'd be going up around my head. Um, It's it's always worked for me. you just wearing all your layers. Yeah, I just wear all my layers pretty much. And the coldest I've gone down to is probably about maybe like 25 degrees in a hammock mind you. So it was a little bit colder. Um, and I was, I was, that was probably pushing it. I was okay, but any colder that might've been not the most comfortable net sleep. but I, uh, I made it work. I made it work. Okay. Question number five.
1: We've already discussed this, but you can just uh, answer to reaffirm um, stove, cold soak or stoveless.
2: You know, you know, it's the, uh, It's the stove.
1: 100%.
2: 100%.
1: 100%. All right. Question number six. Is life better above or below the tree line?
2: Oh, that's a good one. Damn. Um, It depends on the weather. I mean, come on. Um, It's tough because the first hike I ever went on, when I got above tree line, that was like the moment that I got hooked on it. And the moment that led to me being on this show right now. And so it's hard for me to say that I prefer below or that life is better below treeline. But also, dude, being above treeline when the weather's bad is sketchy. Lightning is one of my biggest fears hiking. And I've honestly yet to have like a really sketchy lightning encounter above treeline. I've had some sketchy ones below treeline. So I can only imagine how sketchy it would be if there's no trees around me. Um, Oh, man. I'm really torn. Can you tell? I'm really torn. You're, you're you're you are vacillating. Man. I think I'm gonna go safety first on this one. I think I'm gonna go below tree line. But that oh. is that is a tough one. If we're if if we're talking camping, then below tree line. If we're talking hiking, then it's it's toss up. it, dep- it just depends on the weather. <laughs> we're talking we're talking about life. Is life better above or below? Yeah, we're talking about life, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to play it safe and I'm just going to go below treeline because you can still, let me, let me justify this a little bit more. You can still get some good views below treeline. There's still a lot of good views below treeline. I like a nice lush forest. It's hard to be a nice lush forest. It's really nice above treeline. Don't get me wrong, but that's not all there is to the scenery aspect of hiking. So, and it's safer to be a below treeline. So yeah, I'm, I'm locking it in. Below tree line. Life right. is better below tree line.
1: Now, I just want to point out that if you're hiking with buddies and you don't hike far enough apart, you know, the, the main scene that you're going to see every day is the guy's calves in front of you. <laughs> so
2: it doesn't even matter if you're above or below. That's right. That's right. Space yourselves <laughs> out. That'd be my, that's my pro tip.
1: All right. Question number seven. What's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Luxury items like, you know, camp chairs. Oh, God. Um <laughs>
2: You know, I can only answer this for myself. Um, for For my style of hiking and the things that I've done, there's a clear answer here. But just for other people, it's definitely not quite as clear cut. But for me, a lot of my hiking has been through hiking, or you know, doing some more more intense stuff. Not setting any records or um, like the most crazy stuff you've ever seen probably even in comparison to a lot of people that have been on the podcast before, but I like to push myself. And so for me, the pack weight is more important. Um, the big caveat though is like bringing my camera around and making videos for people like that's kind of a luxury item. And I've been bringing that on a lot of my hikes over the years. So that's very important to me, but overall, I think pack weight is is going to be more important. And if anything, maybe a big reason why I've worked so hard to get a lightweight pack is because it gives me a little bit more wiggle room to bring things like the camera that might be considered a luxury item, but that's pretty much the only luxury I'm bringing. Um, I'm not bringing a camp chair, um, nothing, nothing else, no bells and whistles, and any of that stuff. Um, pack weight is definitely more important.
1: Okay, now this is also is not an official question, but it's a corollary. Are you the kind of guy that? Uh, Sauge your toothbrush in half. <laughs>
2: you <laughs> yeah. don't bring a toothbrush; you just use your finger. I mean, how how serious are you about weight? Um, i I've, I've been snapping toothbrushes in half for years, my friend. I've been. <laughs> I, I've used pliers. I've used hedge trimmers. I've used every everything you could think of. Just my bare hands. I'm. I'm snapping them in half,
1: hundred percent. That should be a video on your pod, on your uh, on your YouTube channel. You know, oh, my friends, ways, all the different ways to snap that toothbrush. In
2: half. <laughs> that would be a good one. That would be that would be a really good one. Honestly, I've 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 snapped toothbrushes in half in videos before, but a full video on how to cut your toothbrush in half. I should be the one taking notes over here because that is that is <laughs> not a bad idea. That is not a bad idea at all, my friend. Lots of views on that one. Let me tell you. All right, <laughs> I Kyle, I got your answers. Give me a second.
1: I got to do some math over here. We've got to put this through the uh, the John pod algorithm. I'm nervous. So I carry the two. I'm going to divide by root three. Going to multiply by pi, and then we're going to adjust for the density of the ashes from a Northern California fire, <laughs> and I come up with a score. This is a first. This is a first, Kyle. You have done something nobody else has ever done. You have a score of eighty. Which you know I said before, that the highest score you could get was was seventy five, but you got some bonus points, so
2: you you actually raised that score, highest score ever for a through hiker. Wow, dude, this feels better than hitting a hundred thousand subscribers. Honestly, eighty. My goal was to get that seventy five. Like I said, like in school, if I got a seventy five, I'd be like pretty okay with it. And hey, your your next video, I, dude, that's a B minus right there. If I'm not mistaken, I'll your take ex- it.
1: Your next video on YouTube, I want to see you wearing a hat with 80 on it. <laughs> I'll take it, dude. Damn. <laughs> that is awesome.
2: So you pretty much agreed with all my answers, yeah?
1: Yeah, you made a lot of sense. You made a lot of sense. And the whole, the hiking pole, the hiking pole question, you hit every single point. So, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive.
2: Imagine if I wasn't a through hiker then I would have, would I have gotten 100? Like, would I have absolutely knocked that out of the ballpark? What do you think? Like 105, right? So, yeah I would have bonus points a plus plus that's right. that's right. I'm proud. just like in, just like in college for you, yeah, well, no, <laughs> definitely wasn't getting I did okay. I did okay.
1: hey, before <laughs> we go to a break and hear from the sponsors,, uh, why don't we back up just a little bit and tell us about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies did you play as a kid, and how did you get involved
2: in the through hiking cult? Yeah, that's a great way to put it, by the way. um, through hiking cult. I grew up in Vermont, uh, Burlington, Vermont area. Um, I was a hockey player, dude. I was a baseball player. But then around my sophomore year of high school, about midway through high school, I'd say, I started to get into hiking and baseball quickly fell to the wayside because I wanted to be outside when it started to get warm in the spring and not be, you know, shagging fly balls in right field or whatever I was doing. And so I went on a day hike. One day, um, just as something to do, just like high school kids just like, oh, let's just go hike today. And, you know, it was just something to do. I didn't really think much of it. And got above treeline, funny enough, um, on Mount Mansfield in Vermont and fell in love with it. That hike was part of the long trail. And my, I think my friend's dad had hiked the long trail before. And so I didn't know what it was. I saw the signs for it and stuff. So I was asking him and he knew a little bit because of his dad. And so he was like yeah like it's like you know 200 miles long or whatever and people hike the entire thing and i was like what like that's insane and so i went home i started you know googling youtubing as as the kids do and uh discovered videos about the appalachian trail and then i just kind of got obsessed with that and that's how i that's how i got into it um and then i had to wait you know a, a lot of years before i finally got the opportunity to uh to go and do the AT, but I squeezed a few shorter, shorter hikes in before then. And ever since then I've just been a hiking nerd. I just got obsessed with it, dude. I, I don't even know why. I was 16. Like why are 16 year olds getting obsessed with through hiking? I don't know, but that's what happened basically. That is awesome.
1: And if your mind was blown over the two hundred and what, seventy three mile long trail, what what did you think when you realized there was a trail that went for twenty two hundred miles called the I AT? thought
2: dude, I thought I was like, I want to do that. Like, or I want to try it. I wasn't like, I'm going to be able to do that, but I wanted to try it. Like it was, as soon as I learned about it, I, I don't know why. I think I was just young and searching for a purpose and an identity identity. And like, man, something about it just struck and it blew my mind. Like you said, like when I learned about this, I was watching all the, all the videos and back then this was probably like 2012, 2011, there weren't that many videos like um on through hiking, but what few there were, I was watching them and I was obsessing over them and started to buy some gear and you know was asking for gear for my birthday and shit like that. Ooh, sorry, because um because I, you know, was in high school and didn't have very much money. And so I just started to accumulate it and eventually I did the long trail in sections as like my first accomplishment air quotes um went back a few years later and through hiked it as like a prep for the at and then a couple years after that i finally got down to springer mountain and somehow was you know super fortunate and was able to complete the whole trail all right and we're going to hear a little bit more more about that when we come back from the break so let's listen to the sponsors
1: we'll be right back From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at JollyGear.com. hiker owned Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? And welcome back. We're talking to Kyle O'Grady, owner of the owner and creator of the Kyle Hates Hiking YouTube channel. And we heard a little bit about your background. We we did a couple of segments there. Now we want to get to the nitty gritty of your actual hikes. So I have here that you did the long trail in 2016 and half of the long trail for our listeners out there who who may not realize this, half of the long trail is part of the AT and the other half, the northern half uh, is not. And so did you do a, a southbound hike or a northbound hike?
2: So I did a northbound uh, th- a through hike. The first time I did it, which to be honest with you, I, can't, I don't think I told you about that in the notes. So I apologize about that. The first time I did it was just a section hike. So that was sometimes north, sometimes south, sometimes two days, sometimes a week. Um, but the through hike was proper northbound, started at the Massachusetts uh, border. And I think it took like 21 days or something. And that was like my first like proper through hike obviously not as long as the at but it was kind of like a trial run for the at and that's also like my home like i'm from vermont so it was cool to kind of just walk the length of my state in one shot as well nice now how would you characterize
1: the long trail you had to describe the experience to someone who's thinking about doing that
2: i'm so biased dude i love that trail like obviously that's like where i that's the trail that made me fall in love with, with um, backpacking and through hiking. So to me, that is the best trail in the world Um, for other people. I don't know if they would say that, but it does have a great reputation. If I had to describe it, I would say it's brutal in the best way possible. And I can dissect that if you'd like, or we can just let people's imaginations wander. You know, Kyle, I don't know about
1: you, but I have a fascination with with trail names, and we're not going to talk about trail names today, but I have I've come to approach podcasting and episodes with that philosophy in mind, and I'm always on the lookout for a trail name, so to speak, for the episode. And I think we just stumbled across the the episode title, the trail name for the episode, brutal in the best way
2: possible. I mean, that that just really jumps out at me. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. That sounds like some, like some emo lyrics or something. <laughs> That's a great episode name. Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Yeah, brutal in the best way possible. Hyphen
1: Kyle O'Grady. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. It, I think uh, the Long Trail. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was the first long trail, in long, long hiking trail in Amer- in American history.
2: Yes, that is correct. Um, it was actually the inspiration for the AT, if I'm not mistaken um they say yeah it was it was it was in vermont like that's that's kind of it's kind of crazy like i i knew that but like i kind of forget about that sometimes but like literally like yeah like in a way you could say like all of this crazy you know culture that's emerged around through hiking kind of started i guess i don't know if the culture started in vermont but it definitely has its roots in vermont at the very least so that's pretty cool i i yeah i like i I never think about that. I should think about that more. That's mm-hmm. a something to be proud of. Absolutely. Even though I didn't have anything to do with it,
1: <laughs> my home. <laughs> so up until that point, and you've done some section hikes, done some shorter hikes, but now you you've done you've done the full thing. W- looking back, what did you learn about yourself from that through hike of the Long Trail?
2: Um, the biggest thing I learned is that I was all in on the AT <laughs> basically. Um. But other things too, like patience is a big one. That's one of the biggest things that I've learned from, from hiking. And, and given that the long trail was like my first proper through hike, I'm sure that I became more patient as a result because it's like, it's not always like super fun, you know, walking all day. And so very often I would be looking forward to getting to camp at the end of the day or looking forward to the next mountain or town or whatever it is. And sometimes you just, a lot of the time, actually, you just got to be patient and just ride it out. And you can't be so impulsive and just, you know, want it right now. You got to kind of enjoy the ride. And so patience is a big one. And then, like I said, um going into the long trail. I already knew that I wanted to do the AT, but I wasn't like, I wasn't going around telling everybody I'm like 100% going to do the AT yet. Um, after the long trail, after that trial run and Honestly, I still remember it so well. Like the day that I finished the long trail, I was like, "Dude, I want to keep going. Like, I want to turn around and go right back." Like, I had so much fun. And when I finished, the day I finished, I was like, "I'm all in on the AT after I graduate college." Like, that was that was the final like nail in the coffin per se. That was the final trial run. Everything went great. I felt great, um, and I had so much fun that that's what pushed me over the edge at the end of the day.
1: Now, you said quite a few things there that resonated with me. Just want to touch on a few of them. One is that it's not real until you publish it out into the world, right? When you say, <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's a whole lot more pressure, right? <laughs> other than just keeping it to yourself. Once you once you say it, then, then there's some added pressure that, and expectations of others that you're going to go do that. The other thing is I, li- I like the whole concept about patience because I think that hiking, trail running, running, so many activities that we that we do – um, maybe even some work-related activities. If you are in a hurry, and if you're expecting things to get done like right now, you're going to be disappointed. But if you go into it knowing that, hey, I'm going to be out here for a while. This is going to this is going to take a while. And you know what? At times, it's going to suck. And if you go into into it with that attitude, I think there's a, a higher degree of success. Because um, when when your expectations don't match the reality, that's when there's really a disconnect.
2: I agree with that so much, dude. Like before the AT, I got myself so convinced that this is going to be like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And like, it was pretty hard, Um, but I I took like that. I took that so seriously and I think it really paid off. So, so yeah, the, the, the patience thing is, is interesting. I think it also, I think another reason just to, it's a little bit off, not really off topic, but a little bit of a different reason is when I was getting into hiking, like we just established, I was so young and I, f- I just feel like maybe this is a generalization, but at least for myself, I'll just speak for myself. Um, When I was like in high school and I, when I was younger, I was just like very impulsive and I just, I feel like backpacking and through hiking was really what I needed to kind of like teach me that like you got to have some patience sometimes in order to have good things come to you. And that was a good that was a good lesson for me and one that I definitely needed. I would have had to learn it one way or another, but backpacking gave me a head start on that.
1: I think. I love that through hiking as a teacher. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're successful with the Long Trail, and now you've got your sights set on the AT. What uh, What are your expectations going into the AT?
2: Man, um, honestly, my expectation kind of going back to what I just said a minute ago was that it was going to be like super, super hard. I hyped myself up so much. I was like, I spent like so much time on the mental preparation for the AT at that point I had done the long trail. I'd done quite a bit of other, um, backpacking as well. And so I felt like physically I was good to go. I felt like mentally, well, actually physically to go back to that, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to, you know, do it for months on end, but I knew that I could string together a couple of weeks at the very least of, of a strenuous hiking days and be okay. And, um, so, so physically I was good to go, uh, gear wise, I was good to go. I felt like very confident with my gear. And that's a big thing that people struggle with at the start of the AT a lot of the time. If you've never through hike before, never backpacked before, like the gear stuff really throws people off. And so I felt like I was good to go there. Um, so my main expectation was just focused on, this is going to be really hard. I'm going to expect this to be so difficult. I'm going to rise to the occasion. Like I'm all in. I'm doing this thing, and it it turned out it was like really hard. But I think I was like I said a minute ago. Again, um, I was like so hard on myself when it came to the mental preparation that actually ended up being slightly easier than I think I thought it was going to be. Albeit still very very difficult.
1: Now, Kyle, any siblings? Yeah, I have a younger sister younger sister does she also through hike no 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 she's not not outdoorsy <laughs> i think that's fascinating that the that, that kids grew up in the same household same environment and yet they you know one of them one of them is like full tilt in the outdoors and the other one is like no way no way
2: yeah this got interesting honestly <laughs> i never really thought about that actually um yeah it's it's bizarre my parents aren't outdoorsy either like it was just something I fell into, honestly. So
1: when you head down to Springer Mountain, what what is the consensus of your family? Are they are they, you know,
2: supportive but think you're a little bit crazy? Or are they
1: like, Kyle, what are you
2: doing with your life? They were fully on board. They're still fully on board to this day. I'm so grateful for that because I know people who have folks back home who just don't understand and aren't supportive. Um and that is That is hard. And so I'm, I'm so grateful uh, that my family was on board. They actually drove me. I I went to Clarkson university in Northern New York and they picked me up after graduation and drove me all the way from just a 20, 30 miles South of the Canadian border, all the way down to Springer mountain and dropped me off there. And like, so they were fully on board. I think it helped that I had been backpacking for a number of years before that. And it helped that I had the long trail through hike under my belt. Um, And so they were fully supportive and I can't say it enough. Like I'm so, so grateful for that. They've been fully supportive with, with everything when it comes to hiking and my content too, and like all this stuff. And yeah, very, very grateful. Did they ever say "Hey Kyle,
1: you know, it would have been a lot more thoughtful and considered if you'd just done a southbound hike.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, it still would have been a good, seven eight hours maybe more honestly from potsdam to baxter state park so it would have been a day shorter probably but it still would have been a solid day of driving so i don't know they my they also live in south carolina so it it was somewhat on the way um i don't know but they didn't have to do that so i appreciate it very much all three of them my mom my dad and my sister wow what a send-off very nice yeah. So it's hard to leave though, because having my family right there, like it was kind of, kind of emotional, um, starting out being like, all right, I'll see you guys in a few, few months, hopefully. Now, did you convince a buddy to do this with you? Or are you, you going down there by yourself? I started by myself. I started by myself, but so it what does what is
1: it, what does that take to, to go on this kind of adventure, a 2200 mile plus adventure starting out by yourself, getting dropped off by your family, it's like bye, see you later. Good luck out there. We'll see you in a few months. I mean, what what's going through your head at that point?
2: I was really nervous at the start. Man, I was so nervous at the start. Um, not nervous as far as like my safety went or anything like that. I wasn't nervous about being alone. I knew I'd meet people out there, and I did. I met some of some of my best friends out there, honestly. Um, but I was just nervous. Cause I was like, dude, like, am I really about to commit to this? Like I've spent years thinking about this. I just graduated college. Like it's already at, like a crazy transitional point in my life. And Oh man, I was, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. It took probably about a week or so before I like really settled in. But that first day, especially I just like shot up Springer mountain, um, when I got to the top, I was just like, man, okay, I need to like try to chill out a little bit, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. I, I I never really thought about quitting, but I will say the only time where I was like, man, I don't know about this was on that very first day, climbing up the approach trail, going up Springer mountain. So before I even got to the AT, um, I was like, I don't know, this is kind of crazy. And so I was like, I'll give myself a few weeks for sure. And then if I'm really not feeling it, I can always get off. But, it didn't take very long before I was I was back on track and all that mental preparation came uh, came into play and really really yeah kept me on track. Nice. Now
1: Kyle, are you familiar with type 2 fun?
2: Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> After all did these you, miles.
1: <laughs> did you encounter any type type two fun on the AT?
2: Yeah, a lot of it was type two fun. A lot of it was type two fun. Um especially on the rainy days. And the really, really hot days. And I, I'm a sweater, dude. So like starting, and I started late on the AT. I started in mid-May. And so I'm hiking through the South in the middle of the summer. You know, it's June. I'm still in Virginia. And it was hot. It was humid. And I sweat so much. Like there was days where I, I've never sweat like this in my life. There was only one day um, on the PCT where I sweat like this. I think a lot of it has to do with the humidity because it was really hot in the PCT. As well, but excuse me, dude, it was just like completely drenched. Com- like, I'm not even exaggerating. I exaggerate a lot. I've exaggerated a lot in this podcast, but I'm not exaggerating. It was like I had jumped in a pool. All my clothing were completely soaked through with sweat. My leg hair was just stuck to my body, like I had just gotten out of the water. Um, just totally, totally drenched. And there was a lot of days like that on the AT. And there's nothing fun about that in the moment, but it does make a somewhat entertaining story on a podcast years later. So um, if that's not a type two fun, then I don't know what is. You know, Kyle, I think the jury is still out
1: on the the trail name for this episode because, you know, I, I thought brutal in the best way possible was pretty good. But I've also now heard it's not always super fun. That, that's a kind of interesting title as well. And, yeah. now, and now I don't know if you can beat this one, but I'm a sweater. I mean that that just speaks that just speaks to me, dude. Are you a sweater too? I, upon occasion, yes, especially after a hot bowl of chili. My head. Was oh sore. man,
2: yeah, <laughs> dude, I'm sweating right now. Honestly, I turned my AC off because I wanted to have good audio, obviously, and it's a uh, it's heating up. But you feel you're feeling the effects. I'm feeling the effects. Nowhere near as bad as it was on the AT or on the PCT for that matter. Like on the PCT, we had some hot days too, and we'll get into that, I'm sure. But like. Just the lack of humidity, I think, made it made me sweat less than I did on the AT. But I was just ripping through electrolytes on both of those trails for sure.
1: Now, uh, Bill Bryson in his novel, A Walk in the Woods, uh, about the AT, very, very funny book. Uh, he was really concerned prior to about bear encounters. Uh, any Any similar fears about that? And did you have any animal encounters out there?
2: I was not worried about bears, bears. I've never had a bad bear encounter, so they've never scared me. Maybe if I do have a bad one, I'll change my mind, but um, I wasn't worried about that on the AT. I knew how to bear hang uh, my food and I don't, I feel like I'm just a loud hiker. Like I must just like stomp a lot or something because um, very few bear encounters on the AT. The only place I saw bears was going through Shenandoah. Where there's a, just a high concentration of them there, so it's pretty much everybody. At least my year saw bears going through there, but there's so many days where I would get to camp at the end of the day, and my friends would be like, "Oh, look, we saw a bear here, we saw a bear there," um, and I the only place I saw them was in Shenandoah. As far as other animal encounters, um, the the sketchiest animal encounter I had was, um, a rattlesnake. I almost stepped on a rattlesnake, very early on. It was it was literally, it was literally, like. 50 yards south of the North Carolina, Georgia border. So like I was going along, I knew that I was close. I knew that I was within like a half mile. And so it's like the first state crossing. I was pumped. I was like, dude, I'm doing it. Crossing the state for the first time on the AT and had my headphones in, I was rocking out. And I'd also never seen a rattlesnake in my life because like I said, I'm in Vermont. There's really no rattlesnakes there. And so, dude, this thing just like, I just missed it. And like, I almost stepped on it. It coiled up. I didn't know what the hell to do. I mean, I jumped back. But after that, I was like so shaken that I didn't even want to just go around it like, you know, you would normally do. Just give it a safe distance and go around it. I didn't even want to do that because I was like, what if there's another one like off the trail and I can't see it? I was so freaked out. And my friend that i had been hiking with a little bit uh, was, I don't know, I-, I knew he was somewhat close to me, behind me. And so I was like, I'm just going to wait for him. And we'll and We'll figure this out together. And... So I sat there and that rattlesnake stayed on the trail, coiled up rattling for 30 minutes. It did not stop. Like full on listening to that bone chilling rattle for 30 minutes straight. First time I'd ever seen one in my life. Super, super sketchy. Um, and I was aware of them like before I went on the AT, but that was the moment where I was like, okay, I need to be careful about these. And I've seen many rattlesnakes since then. And I haven't had another encounter that that was that close, thankfully, Um, but that one left a lasting impression, like definitely not a, not a fan of rattlesnakes. Yikes. Yikes.
1: Now, if you're like me, after you, you come back from a hike, you you spend a lot of time telling stories. You talk to family, friends. In fact, you know, you, you eventually go to family gatherings and they see you coming and they, they head the other direction because they don't want to hear any more hiking stories. (laughs) Now, is there a, a particular story from the AT that you tell most often?
2: Oh, man. Honestly, that Rattlesnake one's a big one. Um... Oh, man, there's so many. Honestly, there's a story that happened on the AT, but wasn't on my AT thru-hike. It was back from when I was younger and kind of first getting into it, doing sections of the long trail. Um, There was a story there that happened. Um, But honestly, my biggest go-to story from my AT thru-hike specifically is probably the rattlesnake story I literally just told, <laughs> but All I'm happy right. to tell. I'm happy to. I'm ha- I'm happy to just pick another one, another random one from the AT, if you'd like.
1: Well, how about if you ever found yourself in a situation where you're like, "What am I doing out here?" What I mean, what was the lowest of lows where you considered getting off trail?
2: Um, like and I said, what, I and what and what kept you on trail? Like I said, I never really considered getting off trail other than that, like flashing my mind the very first day, but there was low points for sure. Um, Let's see here. A lot of the low points were going through Virginia when it was just really hot. And like I said, I was sweating so much. Um, It made me more determined, honestly, to just like keep on going. But um, that was some low points. Honestly, Maine was a lot of Maine was a low point. Um, again, definitely wasn't thinking about getting off at that point. Cause I was so close, but it was definitely the hardest part of the trail for me because like I came so far at that point, I was, you know, up to 2000 miles into the trail. And so you think, Oh, well, you know, it's just a, just a, another hundred and ninety or whatever it is left. So what's that compared to 2000, but You've also hiked 190 miles over and over and over. So you know how much goes into hiking 190 miles and it's not easy, even if you've done it a lot, you know, building up to this last time, it's still not easy. And so, um, Maine was really difficult mentally. I was starting to just be like ready to go home, I think. And that coupled with some pretty challenging terrain, especially in the, the, the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Southern part of the the state, um, was very, very difficult. So, that was, I know that's a little more general than like a specific moment. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any like specific. I can't really let's, think of any specific low moments, but yeah, just those. Okay. Were the,
1: let's talk about that that last uh, 190 miles. As you're approaching Katahdin, I mean, what's, uh, what's going through your mind on that last day? And did you suffer from uh, post-trail depression afterwards?
2: Yeah, so the last day of the trail was incredible, dude. Honestly, I don't think I'm ever going to have another another like day like that in my entire life like first through hike finished one I had been obsessed with for many many years one that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to accomplish but wanted to try for many many years and so it was kind of funny like climbing up Katahdin that last day I felt like I should be like overcome with the sense of accomplishment and the sense of joy and I didn't really feel it climbing up and I was starting to like get kind of like psyched out about it like I was just super in my head like why am I not feeling more like, and then the closer I would get to the top of the mountain, I'd be like the more like upset with myself and confused. And then as soon as I saw the sign, like straight up, it all just came out. Like I started crying. It all just came out at once. And it was such an incredible moment. Like I said, I'm never going to have another moment like that in my entire life. I don't even think. Um, And so that was incredible. And then post-trail, I don't, I wouldn't say I had post-trail depression. Um, I definitely, you know, definitely wasn't like the best time afterwards going back to work. I was working as a software developer at the time. And so I went from finishing Mount Katahdin hadn't showered in a long time, full on beard, full on hiker trash to like clean shaven in a cubicle within like a two week time period. So that was, you know, not the best, but like, I'm not going to say it it wasn't depression, you know, like my life was pretty damn good and, and I'm very grateful for it. So, you know, After a couple months, I got pretty well adjusted. I think if I had exercised and ate a little bit better after the trail, that would have helped. That's like, I did very well about that after the PCT because I learned my lesson the first time. Um, And so no, no post-trail depression wasn't the best time, but also it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Got it.
1: Got it. Now let's, let's transition to the uh, PCT. When did you know, At what point did it happen on the AT or was it after the AT that you knew that you were going to attempt the PCT?
2: It was shortly after the AT that I knew. Um, I wouldn't even say it was specifically the PCT, but I knew I wanted to triple crown. And so it didn't take long, but it took, you know, it was a number of years. I did the AT in 2018. I attempted the PCT in 2022. And so it, it wasn't like a rush, you know, I need to go do the PCT ASAP. Like a lot of people will finish one through hike and be like, dude, I'm doing another one next year. And I didn't feel that type of urgency, but I knew I wanted to do it um, for sure. And then it just took, I probably would have been earlier. It probably would have been 2021 if uh, COVID hadn't happened, but that kind of pushed it back. Um, But I knew, I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to do the CDT as well shortly after the AT.
1: When, when is the CDT taking place?
2: I don't know, man. I haven't even finished the PCT yet, so um, sometime within the next few years, I think, but no, no set date at the moment. But once I get the PCT done, it's like I'm two thirds of the way there, so I got to do it. Yeah,
1: you know, it's I've talked to a number of people who have done two of the three and have no desire to do the third one. I think really. or like sociopaths. I think. I think if you do two of right. the three, I mean, the the pressure to do the third is just got to be incredible. But these people didn't feel that pressure, which I don't I'm get. with you.
2: I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I know people. I'm sure you do too. That have done one of the trails multiple times, but they haven't done any of the other ones, and that's a little crazy to me too, to be honest. But hey, every, it's different for everybody, so you know that's right. It's each their different.
1: own. Different for everybody. I want you to think now about your. Your experience on the AT and the PCT combined. And I want you to think of uh your your most typical hiker trash moment. Do we we going to start off with a definition of what do you have? I mean, what is hiker trash? Do you have to do something to earn that title? And and where do you fall in that spectrum? What is hiker trash? Yeah. If you're looking at the go ahead and look at your monitor. See it on the hat. hat. You see the hat. You see the hat. So how how do you get to wear a hat like this? I feel like an imposter sometimes. So
2: <laughs> no, I think um, I've never thought about this before. You got me stumped a little bit. Uh, I can definitely think of some hiker trash moments that I've had, but it's like, how do you? How do I know I've had those hiker trash moments if I can't even define it, right? Um,
1: well, maybe we start with the moments. Maybe maybe we start with you. You said you've had some hiker trash moments. Maybe that that'll help us define it.
2: I think I might, I think I might have it actually. I think I might have a definition. Okay. Um, It just came to me. If I can get it out, we'll see. So I think a hiker, I think hiker trash could be defined as like doing some stuff that normally you wouldn't think you wouldn't, normally you wouldn't do just like some trashy stuff and doing it with no shame because you're a thru hiker and this is just what you do. I don't know. How's that? that that's That's pretty good. That's pretty good. IB tat, his
1: definition of Hiker trash is in order to wear that badge, you had to spend at least one night in some kind of uh bathroom, whether it be a porta potty or uh, <laughs> you know, a, a pit
2: toilet, something. That that's a great definition. Although if that was the definition, I am not hiker trash because I've yet to do that. I almost did once on the AT, but the lights came on and they were motion censored, so we had to move because we wouldn't have been able to sleep. We would have slept fine in the bathroom if it weren't for the lights, but um, I love IBTAT, by the way. IBTAT's the man. Yes. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean that's a good definition for sure. I I'm if I had to bet, I would say that more through hikers have done that than haven't done that. I'm just yeah. I'm just in the the uh Yeah, I,
1: I like your definition as well. I mean, IBTAS, that's a definition. It's not the definition. That's that's right, his definition. Right. Um let, let's hear about a couple of your moments.
2: All right, so um the first two that come to mind are both from the at and then i can try to think of one from the pct too but um from the at the first one the first moment where i ever truly felt like hiker trash was very early on in the at i was hitching from newfound gap into gatlinburg tennessee so in the middle of the smoky mountains and we got picked up it was like a rainy day not a great day cold um this guy in a pickup truck pulls over he had just been camping and he's like, yeah, you guys can hop in the back. And he's like, oh, sorry about the trash bags back there. I just got done camping. And so we, we get in the back of this guy's truck and it's just a cooler, some dirty camping equipment and just trash bags. And so we're like sitting on these trash bags. And so there's there's a connection to Hiker Trash. And then about halfway down the mountain, because it's a pretty long hitch for AT standards, um, he opens like the little back window of the, of the pickup truck. And he's just like, hey, there's some beer left in that cooler if you guys want some. And we're like, all right. So we're we're in Tennessee. We're sitting on trash bags and we're drinking beer in the back of a pickup truck. And that felt pretty that felt pretty hiker trash. Um that's a good moment right there. Yeah, it was a good one. And honestly, I think the biggest one probably ever that I can think of, at least off the top of my head here, was in New Hampshire. Me and some friends. We went to this little town called, um, it's it's like not even a town. Is it Bartlett, New Hampshire, in the White Mountains? Um, it's at the intersection of 302 and the road that goes up to Pinkham Notch. I can't remember the name of the little town. Is it Carroll, maybe? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Near Jackson, New Hampshire, anyways. Um, there's a Dairy Queen there, which I think has closed down since, because I've driven by a few times and, it's been closed. It might it's been a little bit since I've gone back now. But anyways, there's a Derek Queen there. We were gonna take a zero the next day. We got in, you know, around dinner time and we didn't want to pay for a hotel for two nights because, you know, by the time we finished eating, it was starting to get dark. And it was like, Are we gonna pay for the hotel across the street for two nights? When pretty much all we're gonna do is just go to bed and we know we're gonna take a zero tomorrow anyway. And so we were like, What we're gonna do is we're gonna book the room for tomorrow night. And instead of staying there tonight, too, we're going to save that money by walking outside the Dairy Queen, banging a right, walking into the woods, and just setting up our stuff there. And so we slept behind a Dairy Queen for a night, and it was awesome. It's a little bit misleading because this is in the White Mountains, so it's not like it's a city and we're like sleeping next to a dumpster or anything. Like There was a patch of woods behind it, but... We slept behind the Dairy Queen. We hit it again in the morning and then we uh got to the hotel and got clean.
1: Nice. Sleeping behind a dairy queen is also an acceptable
2: definition for hiker trash. Yeah. Or any we'll extend it to any fast food restaurant. How about that?
1: Dairy Queen has a particular ring that I really I really appreciate. <laughs> but yeah, we can do that too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good one. All right. Kyle, take us through what ended your PCT hike.
2: Yeah, so fires were the big thing um so we got to stevens pass in washington state and at this point we had to skip a few other sections of the trail we had we had skipped from mount shasta up to uh, ashland oregon which was a good i don't remember off the top of my head but well over 100 miles maybe like 150 miles 160 something like that maybe a little bit more um And then we also had to skip a 60-mile section of the trail in Oregon that was closed because of a fire. And so at this point, we had already skipped a few times, which sucks. It doesn't feel good, especially coming from my AT mentality, which was hike the entire trail. And that was my goal with the PCT, too, however unrealistic that was. And we get up to uh, um, Leavenworth, Washington, Stevens, uh, Stevens Pass area, And there's more fires popping up. A few days earlier, we had learned that the Canadian border of all places was closed due to a fire. Um, The one place it it had finally felt like I was getting some momentum again after kind of the the blows that we took in skipping the previous times. And I was like, well, you know what? At least we're going to get to hike all of Washington. At least we're going to get to get to that Canadian border. Um, And then we learned the Canadian border is closed. And so that was a real bummer. But we still kept going, and we're like, I guess we'll just hike as far as we can. But the the end became very unclear at that point. And so we get to Stevens Pass, and now there's there's even more fires popping up. In fact, when we when we were about to go hike out from Stevens Pass, the road on the other side of, of uh, the pass was closed because of a fire. And it was getting real smoky, and we saw some hikers. The trail was still open but we saw some hikers turning around actually and, and coming back down um, because they said it was pretty bad. There were people that kept going to, I know that for a fact, like I said, it wasn't close, but it was just very dicey. And we knew some people that were ahead of us that had gotten out or that had gotten off trail at Stahican. We knew a couple people that had kept going to rainy Pass. the, the end destination at this point had just ceased to exist. We didn't know how much further we were going to go. And it was smoky and it was just like, man, it just didn't really feel worth it to continue. And there was also another big thing. Um, I was hiking with a guy named Brandon at that point and his parents had flown up from Texas to uh, surprise him. I had helped coordinate that with them. And so in Leavenworth, they had picked us up and they had you know taken us to an Airbnb and like spoiled the crap out of us for a day. And they were planning on heading back to the airport to fly home that next day and they were the ones that dropped us back off at Stevens Pass and when we got up there and we see these hikers turning around and a bunch of other hikers confused about what to do just like we were and we're hearing about hikers who had gotten off up ahead of us and we didn't know where we're going to end and we have Brandon's parents sitting there ready to take us to the airport um so no hitching no buses or trains or anything to get to Seattle just a ride straight there um all those factors combined, we we just were like, man, we got to come back. Like, We got to come back. We'll do this next beautiful section when the weather's better and, and the – uh or not the weather, the, the fire conditions are better and when the borders actually open. And so that's, that's the story. Um, real bummer, but at the end of the day, I'm just glad that I was safe and I'll be back. I'll be back to finish it up. Yeah, you got to make some tough decisions out there. Uh, what was Brandon's trail name? His trail name was Phoenix. It's kind of funny though. I I I just called him Brandon the whole time, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I think I met him before he got the trail name. So that helps. Because like, yeah. you know, I first knew him as Brandon. Um, there's other people that I first knew them by their trail names, and I still call their call them by their trail names even off trail. So it really just depends. But yeah, Brandon was Brandon was Brandon yeah. to me. <laughs> got it. Now it seems to me.
1: I'm not sure if I should trust my memory on this or not, but it seems to me the last four or five years, there have been a lot more fires uh, in the Northern part of the, the PCT. Is that just a Southern new way part too. of life? Is that, it's just a new way of life uh, with the way things are, or is or this always been happening? Am I mistaken?
2: I mean, fires have always been happening for sure. I'm not an expert on this. Um, I just wanted to say that too, Um, but it does seem like the last few years have been bad. We'll see how this year is. Because I know California's gotten a ton of snow this year. Yeah. Um, I've got a friend that lives in the Tahoe area, and like some of the posts he's been making, um, just <laughs> crazy snow. It,
1: it is insane right now in the Sierras and the the mountains in California.
2: Are you are you me. out in California?
1: Yeah, yeah. My my stepmother actually lives up in Big Bear, and or in Arrowhead, and she is she's trapped. She's she's stuck there. There Ooh. there's so much snowfall; they can't plow the roads. Uh, she's got enough food oh to,
2: dude uh, i heard about that actually vegetarian. i heard yeah. about that um yeah. just today i think i heard about and that snowpack um, in the
1: snowpack in the sierras it is going to be a dicey summer in the sierras with the uh the river crossings uh, and everything else that goes with that snowpack
2: so at the very least let's hope it makes a difference on the fires honestly you yeah. being out there you'd probably be better equipped to answer this question than than i would honestly as a as a native East Coaster.
1: Well, I'll just stipulate. It seems like there's there's more fires recently than than there have been in maybe, maybe bigger fires that have had more impact on uh, what's happening out there. So yeah, really it sucks,
2: time. dude. It freaking yeah. sucks. Like even hiking through areas that have been burned in previous fires. Like right. I'm sure you've hiked yep. through burned areas yep. uh, living there now. Like man, it's um, depressing. it's super depressing. Honestly, like I hate to say it, but you know, active fires aside, like the burned areas, like man like people talk about how beautiful the pct is and it is beautiful but i feel like a lot of times people are like oh like the pct is so much more beautiful than the at i think like the most beautiful piece or most beautiful parts of the pct are more beautiful than the at but the bad parts are worse than the at those burn zones man they suck and yep. there's only more and more of them unfortunately so agree yeah they're they're a bummer yeah. Kyle, I feel like we have just
1: scratched the surface with you. I know we've got, uh, we had some other hikes that we wanted to talk about, but I'm going to, I'm going to get from you right now. I promise to come back on the podcast to, to do a second episode and, and cover some more ground here. I want to hear more about the PCT, more about some of the smaller hikes that you've done and also talk about, you know, what's next for you, but we are going to move on. Is that all right? That is
2: totally fine. That's totally fine. All right. Hey Kyle, you know where we are right now? Is it the, Pro pro tip,
1: the pro tip insight of the week. That is right, Kyle. You get extra points. You're like it. You're like an 85 now. You're you're amazing. You you you're killing this. The solid B, perfect. <laughs> solid B. All right, time for the pro tip insight of the week, where you get to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So, what do you have for us?
2: Okay. Um... Dude, carry and if you're if you're using um smart water bottles like this right here, which a lot of people do, um, carry an extra bottle cap. Because if you think about it, if you lose this bottle cap right here, this bottle is almost useless. You know, around camp maybe you could still but and when it comes to hiking, you know, if it's sloshing around in your backpack, this bottle is useless. And this little bottle cap it's clear it's tiny it's very easy to lose carry an extra bottle cap because it's almost a safety thing dude nobody talks about this more people need to talk about this like it's wow. almost a safety thing if you lose like a huge if, if you're in the desert or something you lose like a huge portion of your water capacity that's not good um carry an extra bottle cap that's 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 a that's a pro tip that's and it's some funny wisdom. that's a yeah, wisdom right there it's funny i actually for some reason i've always done this I can't remember if I came up with it myself or someone else did it. And I was like, that's a good idea. But I always carried one. And then I never lost them until a hike I did very recently. I finally lost the bottle cap for the first time. And I was very glad that all these years, all these miles, I've carried an extra one because it all paid I needed off. It, it, it all, all paid off. off.
1: And if you cut your your toothbrush handle in half with your chainsaw, I mean, that that counteracts the the extra ounces of of carrying that extra bottle cap.
2: It's probably about the same weight. You got a point. Yep. Okay.
1: So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Kyle. I want to thank you for joining us this week. Kyle, once again, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media? Where can they find updates on your latest adventures?
2: So Instagram is at Kyle Hates Hiking. YouTube is Kyle Hates Hiking. If you go on there, type that in, you'll find my cringy thumbnails and my face just all over your feed. Um, and then my podcast, Trail Tales, you can find that on whatever app you're listening to this Um, it's the one with the blue cover and TikTok. Ugh, gross, but yeah, I'm on TikTok. (laughs) Don't follow me on TikTok. Delete your TikTok. Um, and yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's everything. Dude, thank you so much. This is so fun. Like uh I love the format here, it's way different than all the other podcasts I've been on. Uh thanks, Kyle. You're
1: doing you got a good thing going. Thank you, sir. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. And TikTok. And I share your opinion on TikTok. Uh, a <laughs> little, little bit cringy there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if you have comments or clips you want to share with me, you can send it to me at johnfreakymirror at gmail.com.
0: The Adventure Media Recommendation.
1: Hey, Kyle, we're also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, movie, documentary, website, some sort of uh, outdoor media that I keep our listeners connected to the trail. We're calling this our Adventure Media Recommendation. Any Any recommendations for us?
2: Can I share a YouTube channel? Absolutely. Um, now,
1: we'll, we'll stipulate they should they should tune into your YouTube channel. But do you have something <laughs> yeah. else
2: besides that one? I have way better recommendations than mine, to be honest. Um, I would say IBTAT, but since he's already been on the show, I'm hoping that your listeners are already familiar with him. Um, I think his channel is super underrated. But another channel, he's, I think he's every- one of my
1: he's one of my mom's favorites. Doc's I love dude, Mom I, is a he's subscriber the man. to IBTAT's, uh YouTube channel.
2: His production level and the amount of work he does on his videos while through hiking is insane. I don't Crazy. know how he does it. Crazy. Um, but if I could plug another one, because um, I'm assuming your listeners are already familiar with Um Go follow Taylor, the New Hampshire hiker on YouTube. She through hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2021, I believe. And she's doing another long through hike this year as well. She hasn't announced which one yet. But um, it's gonna be sweet, and so definitely go check her channel out. She's awesome. She's wholesome. She's way, she's way better at hiking and making videos than I am. So, go uh, go subscribe to her channel. She's a close friend of mine too. So, go uh, go check her out. Nice. What was her name? One more time. Uh Taylor the Nahamsha hiker. That's N A, New I don't even know what it is, dude. Hampshire. Nah If you just type in Appalachian, that's slang for New Hampshire. It's like a yeah, yeah, it's like a. I think it's like a New England accent thing, like New Hampshire, something like that. Um, in my part of New England, we don't really have accents, but in New, in in New Hampshire and especially Massachusetts, that's okay. definitely not the case. So, if you just type in Appalachian Trail Taylor, it'll probably come up, or you can take a shot at spelling it, and hopefully, it will do better than I did getting through the first two letters and then messing yeah. it up. <laughs> just spell it like it sounds, New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got it. What have we not asked you?
1: And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What did we miss tonight?
2: Dude, you didn't ask me about my trail name. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> I had to I had to do that. Um For everybody listening, uh uh he asked me if there was anything I didn't want to talk about before or no, 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 no. You had included the trail name story in the notes, which is very reasonable to be clear. Um, but I'm just really sick of talking about my trail name. So I told him to take it out of it. So I had to, I had to make fun of him a little bit there.
1: Um, Maybe
2: next episode we'll learn what it is. We'll keep that in suspense. We could do it. We could do it. Okay. We could do it. Um, I think you got it all, man. Like this was, this was awesome. So I don't, I don't think there's anything else. I'm, I'm very grateful to, to be on the show.
1: It was a pleasure talking to you, Kyle. That is a wrap from the John Freaking Mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family?
2: No, I think we got it all. <laughs> I think we got it all. We already talked about my family, how much I appreciate them. Hey, that's another Taylor first, there. Kyle. You know, not only did your score go up in the
1: hiking pool, um, you also are the first person to ever not have a shout out whatsoever.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's, there's so many people that I owe shout outs to that I can't even begin to wrap my head around.
1: Yeah, and all of them. Okay. Hey, well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember, the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you spent the previous night sleeping behind a Dairy Queen. The trail <laughs> is the trail. Embrace the sock. <laughs>